Do Welcome to Thought Cops, coming to you live from the mean streets of Neo Chicago. I am Officer Kevin. I'm Officer Grant. How's it going, Grant? Madness, Kevin. You asked me. Madness. You said. I thought I my my headphones aren't working good, and I thought I thought you said madness. Yeah, I and know, I'm I guess... I'm just wondering where where you think you are right now. Uh, I'm looking around. I'm looking around. I'm looking around everything around me. I'm like, I I think that this is Sparta. No, it's Chicago. You sure? But uh, speaking. <laughs> speaking of uh, Sparta. <laughs> you okay? Speaking of Sparta, uh, we have uh, Keaton on. Uh, last last episode was episode three hundred. Yeah. Um, and I played the Sparta remix, and Kevin went. Why don't we get the guy that made that remix on the show? And I went, I I didn't know someone made that. And not only did Keaton make that, but he made a number of other things that I've seen personally with my eyeballs. And now I can put face to video. So Keaton, hello. How are you doing? <laughs> hello. I'm doing great. Happy to be here. And we're so happy to have you here, man. Yeah, one of our listeners was because we were like, you know, we got back from the hiatus last week and we're like, well, let's get some fresh blood in the show. Who do you guys want to see? And then yeah, somebody was like, oh, you guys had the Sparta remix on the last episode. Why don't you guys have the guy who made it? So That's, cra- like, That's crazy that somebody asked. Yeah. I love yeah. that. So you've been making stuff on the computer for quite a while, Keaton. Is that correct? That is right. Probably like 20 since- years. Probably since about 2002, I would say, is when I wow. started. Like, now I have a computer I can do stuff on. Started grinding away. What That's was your, pr- yeah. yeah, what was your first, uh, what was the first thing you ever made? Well, the first thing I made that I'm considering my 2002 start was like drawing stuff frame by frame in MS Paint and using this weird free software we had to like glue, stitch them together into mm-hmm. GIFs. And then I started doing that in Flash when I got a pirated copy of Flash and was still pasting in MS Paint pictures because I didn't understand you could draw in Flash at first. Yeah. And then that turned into me doing primarily test Flash animations that I wasn't posting anywhere for like a year, which is kind of like a benefit that I feel like we had in the old days because the internet wasn't the default. Like, I'm definitely putting this online. Yeah. I was just, I was just playing around. I was just making stuff. Right. Just making stuff I, for yourself. I That's gotta, right. I gotta ask, uh, because so much of that stuff, I've always, you know, I'm a I'm a creative. Um, and by that I mean I'm pretentious and I don't really do much, but uh I've always like been interested in animation and I've always like looked at people doing animation and gone, oh, I'm, n- I'm never doing that. So like you get like a, you derive a pleasure from like doing these meticulous things and like changing a line this much and then doing that 24 times in a second and then like throwing that on the internet. Well, I, I will say that starting off, I guess, as a little kid playing around with a video camera trying to do stop motion is probably what led me into feeling comfortable with trying to do some stuff with animation in the first place. You got to have the patience for that. Yeah. yeah. That's horrifying to me. I have zero patience as a human being to ever do anything like that. I've also slowly realized that I feel like I was kind of trying to one up my older brother because he would do like a stop motion animation that kind of was like reminiscent of action league now from Nickelodeon. Yeah. Yeah. And, I wanted to one up him. So if he did something that felt kind of like 
12 frames per second, I was like, I'm going to be doing the like 30 frame per second, trying to do it as fast as I can. We're like, I'm clicking record just for one little microsecond and moving the character just a tiny bit. And I remember getting like a Terminator 2 character to like slide across my room as an action figure. And everyone was like, whoa, like, look how smooth it is. But, you know, he wasn't moving his feet or anything. He literally was just sliding. And I, I do actually feel like if I had started out in just purely video editing, I would have never gained that sort of appreciation for the frame by frameness of animating. So when I went from like flash animating to video editing, it was like a total paradigm shift of like, instead of you obsessing over like a two second thing and making sure it eases in right and rotates the right way and feels comfortable, you're just like slapping together 10 minute clips, 10 minute clips and just making gigantic moving mountains. But it makes it so when I get to like a transition point in a video edit, I really can be very meticulous about sort of like frame by frame stuff. Does your uh, does your brother still make stuff too, or are you guys like still going neck and neck trying to one up each other? Uh, my Is older he the brother, Numa Numa guy. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yes, and you'll know him as the Numa Numa guy, Gary Brolsma. Um, no, and by the way, I hated the uh, Gary Brolsma Numa Numa guy. Man, talk about two minutes of hate. That was something that for some reason that trend frustrated the fuck out of me because I really liked that song. I yeah, couldn't believe yeah. that the song became dominated by this guy dancing, just the le- least amount of effort type of thing <laughs> in the world. It was but, so. Did Family Guy do that, or did they only do the Ding Fries Are Done? I know they did. did Family the Ding Guy fries ever do the Gary Brosma thing? I don't remember them specifically doing that, but I wouldn't be surprised if they had referenced it at some point because it was that big. It really right. was like the biggest thing for some reason. Was uh, I, I just found on YouTube there's okay the the only result I could find was Family Guy Numa Numa AMV. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Anime music video. Um, so, was soon that? with AI, we won't even know. Once we see a clip preview of something, we'll be like, oh yeah, Numa Numa guy was on Family Guy. Here's a clip of it. Right was here. that pre-Rick Rolling? Because was Rick Rolling like more of a YouTube phenomenon? Because like that song's been around for like 30 years or whatever R- prior R- to, you know, whatever. But like Well, um, that's right. Rick Rolling started as a um like you sent someone a thing. link. Oh, well, was it? Yeah. And yeah. then, you know, pre-YouTube being popular, stuff would be, you know, 2006 era kind of be a blend of like, yeah, it's on YouTube. But like the real thing that's making that, you know, Rickroll YouTube link work is the fact that it's like being linked around in whatever, something awful or 4chan or YTMND or just talking to your friends. There was an algorithm back then, I don't think, to like send you to a different video, right? Right. And YTMND, I know, specifically had like a Rickroll page that people were linked to a lot. That's where I remember it from, yeah. Okay. So yeah, it definitely wasn't a given that it was like you were being sent to YouTube. It, and I think that in the YTMND days, when I was on YTMND, there was like debate about did the Rickroll thing originate from 4chan or did it mm. originate from YTMND? But it was pretty clear it originated from 4chan. And I think that ended up being the case with most things that people were like, that originated from YTMND. Really, it usually originated from somewhere else. There isn't like a ton of stuff from YTMND, which I was big on as being like the exact definite, like this is the original place it came from. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
So I, you know, speaking of like extra content and everything, we talked about the the Sparta remix. So you did you just see the three hundred trailer and then like that just like popped into your head as inspiration? Like I need to make something out of this fantastical trailer, uh, Zack Snyder's movie magic. So no, the way it happened was I had just started making stuff on YTMND, and I had just spent like a year, I can see from my project files, making tons of things in FL Studio. I was trying, I was trying to make stuff like Weeble, you know, Weeble stuff. I wanted to try and make, you know, like, I've seen things, I've seen them with my eyes, or like, everyone loves Magical Trevor. I really wanted to make something like that. So I started playing around with FL Studio. And when I kind of discovered YTMND, I was like, okay, how can I get popular in here? I'll just take like the fads that are blowing up and I'll just That's what like, they used to be before them. memes. Yeah, they were called fads. That's right. The definitely. Brian Peppers fad. Right. And it's not because we were going against the grain of saying meme. It's because no one had ever said meme ever. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think so, that meme yeah. came from like, Was it Richard I, Dawkins I could be or something? incorrectly. Yeah. Because especially, I think once like the internet had this big tie in with like atheism culture. Um, and like people started reading like the God delusion and like, oh, th- this guy's uh, putting the smack down on these religious people. Let's read all of his books. And then they're like, meme. Hmm. Totally. I did hear that it was, it, it has dictionary origins. Yes. There's, there's precedence for the word and it has some sort of meaning in like the propagation of ideas or even. Yeah. Maybe similar even to like, like viruses. Yeah, similar to how DNA is sort of like a biological phenomenon. It's like a neurological phenomenon sort of thing. Yeah. But, right. But I thought also, the word... Also in the game Metal Gear Revengeance. Meme is? Yeah. <laughs> um, a, a boss character who, who describes the definition of meme. But in more in the uh, terms of like what Grant's explaining. this, like the DNA of the human language that passes on from generation to generation. And that's before the internet usage of it, sort of? Uh, more, it was like pretty, it definitely was not because of the internet usage. Right. It was like before it was like really in your face, like, you know, oh. uh, Epic Brian or Fail Guy Tom or whatever. <laughs> I can't remember a single meme now all of a sudden. Oh yeah, me either. That's, you got him. That's, that's uh, it. Uh, um, so, uh, we were pretty strongly against the, the rise of the word meme when we were always saying fad, fad, fad. I mean, it was yeah. in my vernacular. I said fad every day, all the time about YTMND stuff and other internet stuff. So, so anyways, I was remixing stuff on YTMND, kind of like whatever the popular site of the day was, which sometimes it was like a movie clip thing, back to the future. Maybe like one time it was a news story. I'd make these kind of like subpar remixes and none of them really had that like massive viral potential. But then I started clicking into the mindset of like, I wanted to do viral potential things. So I did like three, I think where it was like, I need this to go viral. And one of them was a Dotson remix of something, you know, a line from Jurassic Park where Dennis Nedry is going like, we got Dotson, we got Dotson here. And that one did pretty well. And then I did one when I realized that these things would spread where I was like, I'm going to do a Leroy Jenkins remix and oh, I'm going go. to, and I'm going to make the tight, the, I made the domain on YTMND, put this in the wow forums.ytmnd.com. 
and it worked. Like it was spreading everywhere. And then I like replaced all the assets on the YTMND because you could edit it and made it like a high pitched, you know, square note and changed the image to something weird. So then when there was tons of people linking to this thing and tons of people were looking at it, it no longer was a funny remix anymore. It was a big, loud, high-pitched noise that hurt your ear. Nice yeah. ear rape. And, you know, <laughs> blind with power, making remixes, I felt it, the, my peak confidence, and there was a remix contest, and I really wanted to get on the YTMND soundtrack. So I submitted like three remixes to this remix contest where I kept sort of one-upping myself, being like, no, no, judge this one. No, no, judge this one. And then someone made a YTMD right after the trailer dropped for the Sparta thing. This person named North American Danger Duo. I looked them up before the interview so I could name drop them because <laughs> really they are the one that made the asset that I took and remixed to make the song. And it was if that person didn't make that YTMD, I don't think that I, I would have done that because yeah. I, I wasn't trying to remix the most modern... I was trying to remix like classic movies. I wasn't trying to remix like the latest trailer. But but something that has occurred to me is if that trailer didn't come up right then when YouTube was on the rise and they were actually putting trailers on YouTube and stuff, it also wouldn't have happened. A lot of things kind of came together to make it work. Tra a big trailer dropping on fucking YouTube where you could actually like rip it was kind of a new thing. Sure, sure. Did you did you like the movie 300? Did you ever see it? Um, I was pretty pumped from the trailer, but was also kind of like, I didn't like Gladiator. This has got to be better than Gladiator, right? Yeah. And, and yeah, when I saw it, I, I hated it. I just thought it was horrible. I've never watched it again. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't seen it like since probably it came out in theaters. Like, yeah. I, I must have been... Yeah, I was in high school. Yeah. And... Yeah. um. Yeah, I just remember it was like everybody was like so psyched for that movie to come out because yeah. it was like, you know, like say what you will about Zack Snyder. Yeah, he does. He's put out some real clunkers and stinkers over the years, but he's got a very distinct visual style. And I think right. he took that old like, you know, the ancient Greek mythology and stories and everything and kind of gave it this extra flair and this visual oomph to it that seemed to like resonate with people, especially probably of that age range when it came out. And um, they put now, the trailer together very well because I was legitimately excited for the movie. Yeah. And I remember, yeah, that like that fucking screaming like this is Sparta was like, yeah, big on YTMND um, along with like, it was fucking snakes big, on a plane. Big, pretty much. Yeah. Big, pretty much everywhere. But yeah, it does seem to be like the perfect whirlwind of like. This was a. Bit like again, this is before like Marvel movies are big and popular and whatever. And this is like the basis is it's a comic book movie, and this is like one of the yeah. maybe bigger comic book movies. It's also like an alternative comic book from like your typical like Batman movie or Superman movie or whatever. So it has like a distinct look and everything, but it's also just like it's it's this early quotable like meme format that eventually the internet like we all just sort of collectively collectively grabbed onto with our brains and just like sucked all the funny out of. And now we just do that for pretty much everything. Um, I wouldn't rule like, out that they didn't know. 
I wouldn't rule out that they knew that that line was going to be like a oh, mean yeah. thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because uh-huh. like snakes on the it was, a, it was like in the snakes on the plane era, so they could have already right. been in that sort of like mindset. Yeah, yeah. But right, that's so, yeah. That's how a lot of stuff feels now. Like they're trying to make something that's going to be an iconic line, or it's going to be something that could be memed because like the caption and the imagery just like lines up in a certain way. Right. But yeah, I think they were doing a little bit of that then too. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then for you to have created this at that time when it's already something that's sort of playing into these things. And then you create this remix, which is just taking this thing that's already over the top that, uh, you know, kids in middle school are screaming this at each other and kicking each other in the chest. And you take this video and you make this remix and you sort of like you turn the dial to 11 and it's just like, I can't hear this is Sparta without hearing, you know, that sort of like, it's just like, it's in all of our brains now. Like it's literally viral in the sense that there's no antidote. I can't get rid of it. It's just, it's in my bloodstream for the rest of my life. Well, that's great. I I get that impression, but I can't feel that because, you know, I'm the one that created it. And I will say that like this, I will just say straight up the way that the song resonates with people, whatever it's doing, Beyond the day that I like made it, I can't like feel <laughs> that. I don't know what right. people are getting out of it. I don't really know why it has spread so much or why it has such longevity. All I know is that when I was making it, it wasn't just me waking up one day being like, I'm going to make this remix. I had just spent the past like three weeks trying to make stuff that was going to be popular and trying to make stuff on YTMD that would make me a cool YTMD. I didn't really know that it was going to go viral outside of YTMD, but I did know that that Leroy Jenkins one did. So I was in that mindset of like, maybe I can get stuff to like blow out you of kind of cracked the code. Yeah. Yeah. But I never, like, I want to also clarify, I never posted it anywhere else. The only place I've ever posted it was ytmnd.com and on my own personal website. Anywhere that it went beyond that was just totally organic. Stolen um, content, too. Kind of stolen content. And at first, at first it bothered me. At first it was a little confusing. At first when it was getting reposted, I was like, I'm used to this. I've had stuff on the internet like the evil strawberry or ducks live on the moon that spreads around. But you always were able to label your flash animations very much with like your name and your website and everything. So when this started spreading and I was so good about tagging my MP3s with my website and stuff, when it started spreading in a way that didn't have my name on it anymore, I didn't know how to handle it because I didn't want to be like, a loser messaging people being like, can you put my like name on this? I wanted to <laughs> right. like play it cool and be cool about it. So, so sort of what I did almost immediately was started making YouTube videos, sort of just making fun of the fact that it was blowing up and making like a fake tutorial video or making a parody where it was like, just the word this being remixed over the song. And it was a bunch of like stolen gifts with text saying like, I'm just compiling a video of like stolen gifts. Cause that's what all the popular videos were. But did, um, that, did you get like some like punk rock street cred acumen from doing that where everyone's like, yeah, he's against the system. Is everyone yes, like, yeah. I, I mean, in the comments and then, very, very, very few moments in my life, like in person, people kind of being like, I saw that one video where you were trying to do like a tutorial and you made it look like you opened up a music program 
out of like Windows Movie Maker and I was in Windows Movie Maker, like trying to open that up. And it seemed like they appreciate that at least now. And the comments that were on the video where I was making fun of all of the like stolen GIF videos, it feels like at first every comment was like, Oh my God, like Keaton, you're a genius. And if anyone came in being like, what the fuck is this? Maybe people would swarm on them and be people like, you don't get it. And as time has went on, there's definitely like less of an army of people trying to like be like, no, you don't get it. It's like ironic. You don't understand. <laughs> I feel like I don't, I can't just like lay back and be like, I'll just let people like explain this for on my behalf. I'm not going to go around commenting saying like, no, you don't get it. It's a joke because that kind of ruins the joke. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. It, it's still, yeah. I, I feel like I, I still see that happen. Like, um, I know I've talked about it in our Discord before, but there's been like a few like hard drive articles or Nintendo Life articles I've done recently. And there's like, you always get like one like crazy oddball that like shows up. And it's almost like a social experiment in a way to see how like I'm not going to engage with this at all. And this is almost similar to the when the Elon Musk stuff happened a year ago where it's like, I'm not going to engage with this at all. I'm going to just like let people I'm just going to observe and watch how people kind of react to it. And sometimes like it's kind of surprising. People come to your defense and things like that. And sometimes they to... DM you on Instagram and send you weird messages. They say, no, they find your, yeah, they find your Instagram account and comment on your pictures and say, you got me banned from Nintendo life. Let me back in. <laughs> Dude, I wrote one fucking article. Like what the fuck I take, I? I take note very much when someone, a big creator, gets either ripped off or their work is getting really popular without their name or something on how they handle it. Because sometimes people handle it very, very, very well. Mm. And like, for instance, uh, like a music video or something might get posted and like the Money Machine 100 Gex music video. I remember someone posting it and someone like quote tweeting it on Twitter and somehow very, just without bragging or whatever, being like, I made this video and they were clearly getting a lot of love and follow up. But you can yeah. fuck that up. You can quote tweet and be like, I made this and it does not work. And you look like you're trying to get cred and you look mad. And yes. so for the most part, as the Sparta thing has blown up, like when I was a kid, I would have been like, why does the creator of this not like, totally indulge in like commenting everywhere and posting everywhere that I made this and you can like if I went into the video that's massively popular with like 40 million views on YouTube and kept posting like I'm the one who made this that doesn't right. make me look good it mm -hmm. looks weird and I I sometimes now want to it's gotten pretty bad because the comments definitely think that the person who uploaded the first YouTube video is the one that made it. So they think this person, Lele Fonda, everyone in the comments, is the original creator. And I don't really know how much I would gain even if I was like strongly like, no, this was me. You have to like well, pay attention to me. We're here to set the record straight. <laughs> yeah. We're well, here to tell Lele good. Fonda, get the get get out of town. You know well, well one other thing though is like, so you guys you know, you guys know the song and the videos are kind of like a corny thing. Like I had had several viral videos. I never put those on my YouTube because I was totally in this mindset of like, I don't want to look like a loser trying to get fucking clicks on here. I'm just trying to post my funny art and stuff. I'm going to be like ironic and weird about this. Now 
many years later, 16 years later, I don't know that that was the right play. <laughs> How do you like know though? Because I don't, I don't think any of us like, I didn't see Elon Musk buying Twitter, renaming it X and then turning it into a Nazi hub. But like it is now. And I don't know what it wasn't to, on my <laughs> bingo card this it, year. It wasn't on my fucking <laughs> bingo card. If you would have told me like 10 years ago, like, yeah, boost your social media presence. Uh, but it doesn't matter because one day uh, the richest man in the world is going to buy this website and ruin it. Like <laughs> who the fuck knows? You know, like true YouTube really only started. I feel like getting to be this big dominant force when like Google bought it, you know, sure. up until then it was like, this is a good hosting site, but there's also like daily motion and there's all these well, other, you know, whatever. Well, I thought fully, definitely that Google video, which came out right before YouTube was going to be yeah, the dominant I forgot platform. About video. I was putting videos on there. And even as YouTube was starting to gain traction, I was still like, nah, nah, this Google video thing's going to be the one. Google video, you could click to the middle of a video and start playing it. Originally on YouTube, you couldn't do that. You had to wait for it to stream to that point and load to that yeah. point. Google video could do really long videos. And at first on YouTube, you could yeah, do YouTube 10 minutes max. Yeah, YouTube sucked for like a long Long time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It really did. And so Google buying it did mean that they put their, their tech into it and right. uh, they, they did really make it into a platform that I don't think is ever going to go away. And at first, for many years, I thought this, this kind of just a fad of a site and there'll be tons of YouTube sites. I, I really did think that. I mean, is there part of you that like knows that like aside from and we've obviously been talking about uh, the the Sparta remix specifically, but there's other videos and other content that you've made and we'll definitely get to that. But like specifically with that, because that is very just like zeitgeisty, like of the times like it. it again, we're talking about like uh, Rick Rolling and we're talking about Numa Numa and whatever. And that's like uh, that's got to be up there with it. Is there part of you that like is it peace with the idea that it's like you created like this monumental like piece of internet culture, but also at the same time, it's like, but also I would love to like have some extra money to throw at a nice new Tesla. You Man, know? there's, there's a lot, there's so <laughs> much to say here. Cause like, if the video that went popular original of me making the 300 remix was me like dancing to it, I would hate myself. And I would hate, <laughs> I would hate that like I was trying to live that down my entire life. There is a really good thing about me not being really strongly tied with the thing. And there's a reason I don't like throw it into my Twitter bio. I don't want my entire existence to be like one of the things that took right. off. I mean, I could have done that with other things before the Sparta remix. Like, oh, I am the guy that like made this thing. And I, I never wanted to do that. But now, okay, so now I am like realizing pretty big time that like a lot of people have made like a lot of money off the Sparta remix and I've made like pretty much no money. And now I'm even hearing, I just stumbled on like this vlog of this person saying that they've been doing Sparta remixes for 11 years and now they're like going to get back into it. And the reason they're going to get back into it is because this song, one of their Sparta remixes that has like 800,000 views was like their primary source of income. And they were like, listen, like the passion for this left like five years ago. The only reason any of this, any of us are doing this anymore is for money. And it's like, that's insane. Like, I've never even fucking posted the Sparta remix on my own YouTube channel. And 
any monetary gain that I have gotten from it has been like these tiny little fluke things. I've never been like making ad revenue or whatever. But you, okay, so you know how if you upload a YouTube video that uses any song that's real, it like flags it and at the bottom puts a little box with like your name and every, I could do that. And other people have done that by stealing my song because it's very easy to do. You just like take any song, a famous fucking song that hasn't been flagged on YouTube and you go to one of these companies called like Audium or Identify or Hawk or TuneCore or BeatStars. There's a bunch of them. And you just fucking upload the song. You don't have to prove anything. You don't have to prove you own it or whatever. And it just starts flagging YouTube videos. And so it's happened to me like six times where people have done that to me. And on two of the occasions, as a way to get back at them, because the like support people were so roundabout about like, we're not going to take it down or we're sorry about this or you need to deal with it yourself, that I uploaded the Sparta remix to their platform myself to kind of be like, well, I'm going to sort of fuck with them while we're trying to figure this out. Yeah, yeah might and, as well. Fuck them. And all of those times they've taken it. For some reason, when I put it up, they take it down. When other people put it up, they'll leave. They can let it run for a year. But the two times that I've done it, it's only stayed up for like a month before they just randomly were like, they just took it down. I will say, I've never aggressively been like, oh my God, I need to have this up. Fuck you. We're putting this up and like pushed them to, to put it up. And I probably could, but that all goes hand in hand with me not wanting to really ruin this thing. Like, I know that the reason the Sparta Remix stuff has probably gotten popular and been a big community trend thing is you know that if you use that song and you make a fun thing with it, it's not going to check a box at the end of your YouTube upload saying this has been flagged as some sort of copyright thing. And early on, if you flagged someone with a copyright thing, I think it like really definitely meant a copyright strike, but it, it doesn't anymore. I probably right. could probably could pretty freely just start raking in the dough on this thing without affecting anyone. But I don't know. The one time that I had it spinning for like a month, I started getting messages from people being like, my like channel got like a, f- a thing. Am I going to get a copyright strike? Is my channel going to get taken down? You're ruining the community. And I don't like that. Um, what if, what if yeah. we, what if we did it? What if, what if we put it up and then, People were like, "Hey, you're the reason why we're not." And then we just take the money. We just give it to you. I don't. I don't. I don't need the money. You can just have the money. And we can give him some of it. You know, yeah, just it. do some like some like legal laundering. Yeah. Hey, sounds fun to me. <laughs> but even even if someone else flags it, I get all the messages. When mm. a, a person has stolen the thing, I get tons right. of messages being like, "Is this you?" And I can confidently be like, no. At least there's right. that. Yeah. I also saw on Twitter, you released the stems for the Sparta remix this week. So that was me reposting it just because 100 Gex was released. Yeah, I saw that too. Yeah, yeah. So are you just like... um? So you've done that before then? You already had the stems out there? Yeah, so I have this w- website called SpartaRemixPlanet.com and I made it right at the 10-year anniversary of Sparta Remix. And... When was the original one posted? February 07. Okay. It was posted like two weeks after the trailer came out on like January 20th or 22nd or something. I just looked it all up to check. Um, 
Wait, what was I saying? Uh, you the uh, stems and Sparta Remix oh, right. So the Sparta Remix was kind of like I wanted to give away the stems and the FLP, but I didn't want the project file to just be floating out there because the product. The project file is actually the only proof I've ever had that I made the song. And the platforms that want me to prove that I own it, so they'll take down like someone who stole it and is flagging YouTube mm-hmm. videos with it, they've actually had me show them a screen recording of the FLP to prove that I made it. And it's like, you don't understand. This is like everywhere now. This isn't even proof. Yeah. Um, the genie is out of the bottle. The genie is out of the bottle, but that is why I held tight to it for a long time because I had people asking me for it for years, and I was like, eh, no, I don't think I'm gonna give that out. Yeah. And so after being requested for many years, and I knew people would like it, I finally released it, and I also knew that that was gonna change the way the remixing worked because it made it a lot easier to just like take any Spongebob sample or whatever and just like paste it into the project file and it'll just make the entire song for you rather than like the way people have to meticulously make their own little like Sparta remixes. Yeah. And so I was also just wanting to have fun with, um, I feel like when Aphex Twin or like Boards of Canada like announce an album or something, they do like a whole like AR game where you need to like figure out where the album's coming out and figure out. So I wanted to make a game that was like, easy enough to solve for a kid and also hard enough to solve for like a computer science genius. So I made this thing where it was like 300 usernames and 300 passwords and only one of the usernames works and only one of the passwords work. And there's enough clues that if you're a kid, you can figure it out no problem. But if you don't look for the clues and you're like, I'm going to brute force figure this out, it could take a little bit of like engineering work to figure it out. Or a lot of fucking trial and error. But like a, an impossible amount of trial and error. Like yeah, it would, yeah. it's like thirty thousand combinations or something. Yeah, so I guess crazy, that's not impossible. Yeah. I mean, props to you for being creative at least about it. That was really fun. Yeah, I tried to make it like just hard enough and just easy enough and just get find that balance. And I at the end put an email address like email me if you figure this out. And uh-huh. I started getting emails within like twenty minutes. See, that's a, that's a fun use of the internet. Now, mm-hmm. I, I want to move a little bit away from the Sparta remix, and I actually want to mention this is sort of a this is unprecedented for podcasting in general because uh, you, as our guest, you did the work for us this week. You sent us a list <laughs> of questions and topics we can talk to you about. So we just sit on our asses and just uh, read off the list here. So I might go down some of these. And uh, well, I was going to um, do the uh, Craig Ferguson thing of uh, ripping up the list of and then just freeballing. But I, Kevin, you can do whatever. Uh, you so said you you didn't take the time to write these all out by hand and then rip well, it. Well, I did, but I, I just don't want to be rude. Oh, for sure. That, that's kind of yeah. That's kind of like he went, he typed this all out for this, and you're ripping it up in front of his face. <laughs> yeah. But I didn't now I can type see why questions. Craig Ferguson went off the fucking air. I want everyone to know I didn't type questions though like some of I was li- I was listening to your podcast okay some of them do are written as questions <laughs> I was listening to your podcast and every time you guys touched on a topic where I was like I want to talk about that topic I was writing it down on a piece of paper and then Again, very unprecedented most guests don't even <laughs> listen to the show so thank well, it's you because I was worried we would either just talk about the Sparta remix the entire time or go off on a tangent or something I'm not interested in. But I don't know. Was this weird? I hope it wasn't no, weird. No, no, not at all. Because I mean, okay. you know what? There are there's a lot of stuff even we're not interested in. So 
<laughs> I appreciate this, and you know, we'll see what happens here. I'm just going to go through the stuff um, without well, ripping I anything had, up in front I of your face. I had like a, a thing that I sort of wanted. I, I don't know if we're doing like in order of the list or if uh, please don't, I please can, don't uh, just go in order. Of the list. <laughs> just jump around. But, uh, talk off what you already did. Because okay, yeah. that's fair. I think that's um, Alt Shift Five to do strike through text for those uh, at home that want to know how to do strike through text. Um, yeah. I love I just hotkeys. Had that up. Very important shortcut. But, um, I mean, even... So, the the Sparta remix is, in and of itself, a thing. But I remember, like, I've seen, like, a lot more of your stuff than I was familiar with. Um, and, of course, it's one of those things where it's like... You know, you, you go on E-Bombs World as, like, a 14-year-old. And you're scrolling through and you're just like... I don't know who... And, it, like, these are just funny videos. I don't think people are, like... Someone created them, you know, but you don't. And then it's like, oh, I didn't realize you were the guy that made like the evil strawberry video um, or like the ducks on the moon video or. Nice. Um, You've seen both of them. OK, I've seen both of those. I've also seen um, the Michael Phelps restaurant. Video. Nice. <laughs> like, hell yeah. Uh, there, there were so many where it was like, oh, yeah, shit. This is like a walk down memory lane. Like, I remember seeing these on like E-Bombs World, Albino Black Sheep, like look, look, a number uh, of these websites. I have a big kindred spiritness ship with uh, we were just talking before the call about DJ Doug Pound. It's very hard to get credit as like an editor or a behind the scenes person without stamping your name and face on it for what you do. And, yeah. and I've I've kind of known that but sort of thought it would work itself out but like you know dj doug pound made like all of those gi joe edit things right and yeah no yeah. like nobody fucking knows that even yeah, i was just watching those like a few days ago i actually i i had a really bad stomach virus and i had uh basically lost everything in my body fluids and all and i became so delirious i was like <laughs> bones folks his bones was, flew out like, of him spouting, he was like peter griffin on the I was bus spouting nonsense to my of... girlfriend and she was like no idea what i'm talking about and then i just started pulling up on my phone watching the old gi joe videos and i'm like that's doug pound that was him and those, I feel like, influenced what the humor of, like, Adult Swim was. Oh, totally. Like, yeah, yeah. Pre him being involved with Tim and Eric stuff, mm -hmm. he had already, like, set the stage. And he, he really does not get the cred for that. Yeah, yeah. He made those, because I, I, I've heard him talk about it on his show. Uh, him and I think his name is David Fensler uh, mm -hmm. made those. And I think they were, like, living together in Chicago long, long time ago. Right. I know he wasn't the only one that made them, I should yeah. say. Caveat, yeah. Yeah, I think he kind of yeah. helped out with them mostly but yeah i think fensler films was the the mastermind behind the whole the whole project but yeah it's um you know i guess like we've we've talked a lot about like early internet old flash stuff early youtube pre-youtube do you do you think that the internet has gotten worse or better since those or both uh, so it's yes or both since those well, worse, days i would say like worse for people like me because i when i had like a website and no one had a website. And I got a couple flash animations on like Albino Black Sheep and E-Bombs World. And the barrier to entry for that was hard. You had to just like keep posting in the forums and sort of like figure it out. Yeah. Then I was, it was like I was the only person on Twitter. It was like being on Twitter and the only user is Keaton. Like 
I had so much traffic to my website. If I logged into AIM, my entire screen would just flood with messages. It was amazing. That can't, I don't think that can happen again. I don't think if you, even if you had the biggest viral video on TikTok in the whole world, I don't think that you would get the sort of flood that I was getting. But you it's obviously like a, you better. You get a viral now. video on TikTok that gets like a million likes and like nobody clicks through and follows any of your shit. Right. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Well, I am really happy also that the numbers on YouTube seem real. It's hard to get numbers on YouTube, whereas TikTok feels like this botnet of just fake fucking numbers. Like I've had an account on there. Every follow was a robot. Every like and comment was a robot. Like it's all just a big mess. I like that YouTube has not like went down the route of being like, let's just accept sort of like every robo watch as like a watch. They make it really fucking hard to get numbers, which is frustrating, but is probably the way I want it to be rather than it becoming like everyone's just getting like millions of views because like they flew past this thing for one second. That, that was a view that this flyby was a view. Um, what I would say is the democratization of being able to post stuff is obviously way better. And especially when TikTok came out and it wasn't just like people posting their food photos on IG, but people started doing like sketches and stuff. That's awesome. That's the way it should be. Yeah. It's like making a bunch of funny videos that tons of people are seeing. Cause like if it was only YouTube, the barrier to entry is t- tremendously high. It's very hard to get views on like a brand new YouTube channel. So TikTok, I think does fix that. And that's very cool. I, so the inter- internet's better and it's worse for a lot of different reasons. But I would say the for the most part better. For the most part better. Worse than others. That's yeah. true. Why can't we just um, say, why can't we just say it's good or bad? Why, why do we have to have nuance? <laughs> it's bad. Yeah, yeah yes that, that's no what questions. I wanted to hear. Um, <laughs> but I, I do feel like uh, this is probably indicative of like how good or how shitty certain websites can be is like, honestly, like advertising. Because um, I'm noticing like I have a Blue Sky account and I'm on there and it does feel like just kind of like a reinvention of like early Twitter. And it's like, why why is this like this? And like, it's like, Oh, because I'm not looking at ads. And it's ju- it just kind of sucks that it's like, it's one of those websites that eventually it's going to like exit its beta stage and it's going to be like everyone can sign up for it. Right now, it's still exclusive. You still need an invite and whatever. But like, it's cool that it's just like, oh, all the interesting people that I was following on Twitter, like I'm just following them there. And it's a little more like community-ish. And same thing with like early TikTok is I remember when TikTok was like, guess what? We're rolling out ads. We're finally rolling out ads. And it's just like, you just watch all of your views just like drop through the floor. It's just like every other video is an ad now and it just kind of sucks more. And and then you get people that are like making their content to, you know, fulfill like like the the quota of like how many clicks can I get in order to make ad money off of this. And, 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 and like, I yeah. will say, I think that that sort of has fucked up YouTube as well because... Yeah it wasn't a monetized thing at the very beginning. And that's like a lot of fun when people are just making their own things. Clearly the Sparta remix community is driven to some extent by money, which is very weird to me. But if that's the, if that is your drive, so fucking uncomfortable to think about. Like even now in my thirties, I'm only just clicking into the mindset of like, Oh, everything I work on should probably be somehow driven towards 
my success or money or growth or something. Whereas before, for my entire life, all the way up till now, I just sit it down on the computer and start making stuff with no thinking about like, this is going to be super successful or yeah. it's just stuff that I want to make. And it seems like that is dying quickly. The people just make yeah, stuff because I just yeah, want to make a it. A lot of algorithm chasing, a lot of trend chasing, a lot of, you know, everybody wants to be Mr. Beast. Exactly. And <laughs> yeah, that and then, even me too. And it's, it's actually re-inspiring me a little bit to start posting on like a secret YouTube channel just to test stuff, just to kind of see... Let me go the clickbaity route and just see what, what kind of fun that brings up. Yeah. But it's a different, it's very different than me just like sitting down at the computer and making something I like and just posting it online. Just make like the, the domino challenge and you just have someone like click a domino down and watch all of them go down and be like, yo, and they win a million dollars at the end. Hey, that's a good beast. Yeah, that's a beast. That is- <laughs> There is like that aspect, though, where it is like, yeah, it, that's like an unfortunate aspect of, I guess, not just the Internet, but like creativity in general is the idea mm-hmm. that like people that want to just be working on things and like putting things out and stuff like that. It's like sometimes like you hook something in and like you get something out of it and it's like really cool. And then like but people see that and then their interpretation of that is not like how can I make something that's this cool is the thing that I'm seeing and hope that like that resonates with people and whatever. But it's like this backward approach of like, Hey, look, these people are making money doing this. If I do this and it's just like, it, it seems like this vacuum of creativity where it's just like so much content on the internet feels like void of any true, like, voice and perspective and like actual creativity by people that like doing things it's just like totally it feels like focus grouped you know like some of it legit is you know like even just taking the sparta remix for instance a lot of these people who've been making them i think just make them because they know if they put the word sparta remix in their title it's going to get some clicks which they should be making that for this episode. Yeah, oh, yeah. Say, so let's it. make sure we do it. that. There's going to be every episode from now on is going to be titled Sparta Remix. I hope a lot of people tune into episode 300 and keep listening and listening and listening, and I never come on because that's slightly confusing. We'll just, we'll save this. We'll be like putting it off for however long. Right. Uh, <laughs> um, but I can see that like those people, some of them are very, very talented musician-y people, should be focusing on making music. Stop making Sparta remixes. Go just make some cool music. Like right. I don't even see how they have the patience to keep making this thing. And yeah, they probably hate it. it. They probably just do it because they know it's the only thing that's going to fucking get some views. If they put up their big passionate song, it's not going to fucking get any views. And it's so bad that the cycle is now coming back even to me, where I'm kind of like, should I set up like a secret anonymous YouTube channel where I just make Sparta remixes? It feels like that would be like a good thing to commit time to. That is a very weird result of this, that I'm like, I'm going to abandon my musical creativity to try and secretly participate in this community to maybe make some money is like very weird. Yeah, something that you gave birth to. Yeah, it's uh, it's like, I can't even totally wrap my head around it because... I haven't spent every waking minute since I put it out on YouTube, like searching Sparta Remix. In fact, there was a good like five years there where I never looked it up on YouTube and kind of was like, oh yeah, I think that's some sort of dying. Yeah, it was cool for a second. 
I had no idea it was going to like come back because it's almost like bigger now than it ever was. It's massive on TikTok. The YouTube videos are only getting bigger. It's like really blowing up. And I never, ever, ever would have predicted that ever. But doctor, I am Leonidas. (laughs) (laughs) So I I know you, you, I want to read one of your questions here uh, to yourself. How early did people start saying things were so 90s? Because you also have here, you mentioned like Vaporwave being born, uh, the rise of the VHS look. Uh, I I feel like, like something like, I guess I'll answer the question to you myself really quick. I, I feel like, there is a 20 year nostalgia cycle and sometimes people get on get in on that a little bit sooner kevin's um, actually coined that term i don't know uh, long time listeners know that uh, that's actually trademarked uh, by <laughs> yeah, i could kevin. be monetizing this jesus yeah. christ well i i have so many thoughts about this and i feel like i can even counter what you're saying unfortunately it's yeah, a sad thing okay so in like 2004 like around when napoleon dynamite came out i remember a friend being like you know why Napoleon Dynamite's cool? Because it's 90s. And I was like, well, they have like the internet and stuff. I think it's supposed to be modern day, but I like get what you're saying. And that was 2004. There is no yeah. way in like yeah. 2014, we were talking about zero zeros. And it's because there's no fucking name for it. No one in 2004 was like, that's so aughts. Oh my God. That's, yeah. you know why that movie was cool is because it's zero zeros. And I really think it's the naming of it that makes it not happen. I think that right now, this decade is the first decade in a while that people are going to be talking about. Cause you said the twenties, say the twenties. Yeah. The roaring twenties. You can't say tens. You can't say zeros. It's too hard to say it. People will just <laughs> call it the early 2000s and that will just mean the first 20 years. I mean, and I think. I, I've had this theory actually even before we entered the 20s. I was already thinking like no one's using this terminology of saying the 90s. Even in the 90s, people said like it's the 90s. No one fucking said that true, during the yeah. 2000s or 2010s. I think yeah. that I think that that's true. I, however, also there was like some book that came out during the 90s when we were all like, hey, we're in the 90s, aren't we? Um, it's a go-go 90s. There was a book that came out that was called like The End of History. And it was just sort of supposed to be this like this like the World War Two happened and all of the early history happened and like all this fucking history. But then the Cold War happened. And then guess what? The USSR collapsed and uh, turns out capitalism works and it's the <laughs> only economic system and uh so like it's all cool from here like we we won so uh there's no real reason to like like there's nothing to write down anymore like we're we're done it's the end of history and there was just this weird like like the the lack of critical like looking back at what we're doing and what we're thinking and like what we are sort of culturally there's this idea that like racism's over because uh you know everyone got on a rooftop and sang a song about coca-cola that's such and a 90s thing cool, you know and like totally. there's, there's such like a level of like this this cultural ubiquity and saliency yes. that like no one is really sort of like seeing and like interpret interpreting and like critically analyzing up until i think like you know they hit a plane into some towers and then totally oh hey the history is back you know absolutely better than ever baby absolutely (laughs) 
there's a total 90s mentality of like we've solved racism. And I totally am, just wonder what the world would have looked like if there was no internet and no 9-11. Like where were we going? What was going to happen? I have, I have no, no fucking idea. idea. I, I can't even imagine. Yeah. Um, but if uh, anyone listening is into uh, weird aesthetic stuff, you guys should check out. Um, it's called uh, Global... It's called Global Coffee House Aesthetic or something. And it kind of hits on this thing that I think is like... I think I know what you're talking about. Oh, it's called Global Village Coffee House. And it sort of is like a good capturing of like this visual aesthetic that was on like textbooks and in like coffee houses oh, and yeah. in like doctor's yeah. offices. And it's kind of this thing where it's, it's like clip art and it's a lot of like kumbaya and like the world <laughs> is all solved and everything's happy now. And mm-hmm. Windows is also going to be what saves the world, but not necessarily the internet. And it's kind of like, uh, it's also trying to add like whimsy to just like stuff that sucks and isn't fun. And that's sort of what I am start, start. I feel like this is going to be the next vapor wave is this look of this college global village coffee house thing. People making fun of this look, I think could be like the next, the next big thing. Yeah. The next wave. And it's, it's almost coming from a, a commentary on like, you guys were appropriating stuff. Well, we're going to appropriate that right back and we're going to like mm-hmm. make fun of what you guys were doing. Yeah, it, it kind of reminds me, like, I feel like we have something, we have a similar example of that right now, or at least we have for like the last 10 years or so. I think the term people use for it is like this, like, corporate art style. Mm-hmm. It's like you see it in a lot of, like, um, like Google uses it a lot. Mm-hmm. Sort of, like, people are sh- like shaped in like very simple shapes, like no outlines, just flat colors. And it's sort of like this. Totally. Uh, it feels like the, the artwork is like talking down to you in some weird way. Right. And I've seen uh, people like already kind of riffing on that a lot. And I think maybe we will look back on the tens and that will sort of be like the aesthetic. We like if there's ever like a, a look back on this decade thing, we'll see a lot of that kind of artwork making fun of that. Yeah, I think that that will definitely be one of the things defining the look of this era. But, mm-hmm. but, but what's weird is I feel like people almost forgot about the Global Village coffee house angle of the 90s and they just right. obsess over all the other aesthetics. This has been whittled down on the internet to being like 15 pictures. If you search this aesthetic, there's like 15 pictures you're cycling through. This shit was everywhere. There was right. hundreds and thousands of these pictures. This was everywhere. And no one really, I think because people don't like it, they're not really like, oh yeah, this was, this was what the nineties looked like. And so that's why I still think it has potential for like art sort of making fun of it. But yeah. yeah, I think that we're too quick to say like one look is what like defines a whole right, right. Oh, yeah, thing totally, for, totally. for sure. Totally. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this this also does like there is some sort of like uh yeah, like some sort of like Western appropriation of what seems to be like almost like tribal art. Totally. Like Coco Pelli. Like what? Coco Pelli. Yeah. I mean that's yeah, along along like certain like yeah, depending on what you mean by like tribal, because I feel like tribal in and of itself is kind of like a term that just means like not white, and it's like oh, there's different tri, yeah, whatever. I don't want to get too into that, but there is like that like the idea of like using this type of imagery to create this like worldly aesthetic sort of thing, as opposed to like. 
like taking certain like actually Coco Pelli, I will say, is a bad example of that because that comes oh, from crap. somewhere. But like because you can go like, oh, well, we know where like Coco Pelli comes from, like what region, stuff like that. But this artwork was like the the westernization of these types of images totally in, in the same way that like uh i feel like in the 90s like world music became more of like a thing mm-hmm. yeah it's like world music doesn't mean fuck it that just means like not white popular music sort of shit you right know? and that it's <laughs> it's playing into this idea that i i feel like so many people again that like oh we solved racism and you you look like back back during the 90s and it's like you you turn on the magic school bus and it's like how could there's more racism now than there was then because um you know look all the kids there's one of each kid and it's yeah right this this idea of like if we just sort of like throw everything at the wall no one's really going to question any of it sort of thing and now that people are questioning it people are going but it was fine in the 90s Mm -hmm. like what happened now and it's just like well Mm-hmm. OJ Simpson trial, uh, you know, the LA riots, like they, it didn't just like not exist, like mm-hmm. just conceptualized everything differently. I've never seen this Coco Pelli person, but yes, this is exactly the type of thing that I'm talking about with this like aesthetic. And they that's... do also like appropriate Coco Pelli on a lot of stuff. I'm only laughing so, just because I'm thinking so... of Bug, Bug Main, if you know who that yeah. is. Yeah. He's always well, posting yes. pictures like they're putting Coco Pelli in the, like the Arizona, like the Sedona, Arizona, like McDonald's like location. Like he's their Ronald McDonald at just that one location. I mean, maybe this is this character is the origin of this entire look. Like I fucking see this type of character even still on like water bottles or like logos of companies that haven't quite caught up with the times and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And one big example for me is the the Lucas Arts logo it has like a little character that looks very much like oh, yeah, these yeah. sort of like Global Village coffee house or Coco Pelli things. And yes, it very much feels like the world is one now. There's no more racism. Everything's happy. Yeah, Doesn't like, matter if we like. Sun, it looks like there's like a sun ray above him. Exactly, a little Did, like cave drawing guy. Yeah, exactly. Like exactly. Yeah. Did you all ever play um like any of the Jumpstart games? Uh, like Jumpstart so. first grade or anything like yeah, that? Yeah, I used to play the grades below me because it was easier. <laughs> all right. Um, I think um I played the third grade one a lot because it was cool. Um. It was you were a, a robot man and you had to solve math problems. But, oh yeah, uh, I've seen up, these before. Do you yeah. remember the Knowledge Adventure logo? Like um, it's very similar sort of thing. It's like this, this like uh, Coco Pelli oh, yeah, totally. character that like has <laughs> yeah, like uh-huh. the the wor- like this I love was, it. this shit was everywhere. I love in the nineties. This is like yeah. hitting on such a specific like nostalgia thing for me to be honest. Right. And I I do I immediately feel what you're talking about of like god I wish I could go back. Things were quote unquote <laughs> better back then, but you're right they they weren't and we started it was questioning the aesthetics of everything looked Yeah, bad, that's really what it just like, like like I think you know we'd solve racism if we just turned Taco Bell lobbies into the turquoise purple whatever they used to be, but nobody wants to hear that. Nobody if we just to hear that. If we just combined nice purples and bright oranges and put little cave drawn characters everyone would be happy again yeah and like into the point of like the rise of the vhs look and like a vaporwave and things like that i i the first thing that comes to my mind is um like tim and eric 
Like yes. I feel like they felt so revolutionary. This is like so to put it so simply, it's like they felt so revolutionary in like 2004 because they were just skewering the decade that happened right before it. Like there's one sketch in particular where it's called like the internet, but it's like inner net. Oh yeah, I remember. This, this yeah, this for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's just this really archaic like infomercial of these guys who are selling a very like limited version of the internet where you have a CD. And you can only talk to people in a in a chat room who are like just basically AI, like very lazy AI bots you can just have back and forth conversations with. And that was like sort of like hitting on this sort of like 90s mentality of like everything is everything's great now. Everything's fine. And we're so oblivious to like the world around us. And like we think we're everybody thinks they're paving the new way. You know what I mean? Especially mm-hmm. with like the wave of the internet and like people not really even being able to conceive of what that actually means. But I think like Tim and Eric were definitely on the cutting edge of that where it's like now if I see you see like 90s stuff is parodied in like like a T-Mobile commercials and stuff now. And I just kind of roll my eyes at it and I'm like, yeah, yeah. Like, well, at the Liberty height Mutual. of Tim and Eric, I remember because we would like with comedy friends and stuff talk about like the influence of it and what mm-hmm. was going to happen. Like, I remember sort of speculating on like, are we going to see in like 10 years major companies trying to make stuff that looks a lot like the Tim and Eric stuff? And that's absolutely what has happened. And I think that when the 90s aesthetic thing was like allowed to flirt, I think that Tim and Eric allowed something to flourish that was sort of like pent up in everybody and they sort of opened the floodgates to everyone feeling like, whoa, I want to tap into this sort of like old vhs 90s aesthetic, sort of ev- everyone's happy and the world is, hey, it's the 90s, buddy, and uh, everything's going to be okay, and you're going to make some money and some friends and be real cool. I think that, like, as with Vaporwave, it's kind of like once somebody allows permission for it to exist because one person makes one really great thing, then everybody is like, they're not trying to rip that person off. They already had it in their head. Like, I'm right, sure yeah. that surrounding Tim and Eric, there was already a lot of people making stuff that was kind of almost trying to be that, but not quite hitting. There's, and then they, yeah. they opened the floodgates. There's like there, a line in um, like uh, Rick Rubin's book on creativity, which I haven't read, but I saw a video where someone was talking about they read the book. Um, and it was something along the lines of like, if an idea comes to you and you don't act upon that idea, that idea is just going to go to somebody else. And it's not to say that there are these like nebulous things that just like exist in a cloud that's outside of whatever, but it's like everyone's going through the same shit. We all like have eyes and ears and brains and shit like that. And like, just because like, if you have like a really good, that could be the idea that everyone else goes like, Oh shit. Like I know what, I know what you're talking about. But right. like, if you don't make that, like, we're all having the same idea. No one's put words to it. It could just go to somebody else. Totally. 100%. Yeah. And there's also a quote here I think about a lot from Tim Heidecker. It's from a Vice interview I just pulled up uh, some time ago, uh, where they ask him, like, a common thread I noticed in your show is the underlying fear that exists below the surface of modern suburban existence. <laughs> and then he's, uh, Tim responds, like, we're way close to the edge of everything falling apart. It feels like that every day. How has this not turned to total shit? How are people still working at TJ Maxx and not throwing garbage cans through windows? 
my God, that sounds deeper than what Tim and Eric, Tim, that sounds deeper than a Tim quote usually sounds. That's what it surprised me. I think that's what, like, why it stuck with me for so long. And lo and behold, here we are. That's so great to hear him articulate something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that, like, a lot of that type of stuff does come from, like, a certain frustration of, like, you know, I, it's like, I think we sort of, like, hit this on, um, we did like a review on our bonus episodes, which I mean, you can listen to if you go to patreon.com slash thought cops and you pay $2 a month. Um, <laughs> Let's go. We, we reviewed, um, what's the, what I think you should leave. And the first, um, the first season, I don't think that I, any of us liked. And then for some reason, like the second season struck a nerve where it's like, I feel like this guy's really angry at society. And like, just <laughs> like, there's this like, palpable like this is a person that like you know i think that that's where a lot of this shit sometimes comes from like when it really hits you hard is like there's a frustration with the way that all of this is going on that it's like all i can do is fucking scream about it you know mm-hmm. yeah and, uh i didn't like the third season i haven't seen it have you seen that show keaton how, how do you, how do you yeah, feel about I- that Oh, uh, I kind of like and hate like several things on the show. I think yeah. the show overall, I, w- I, what I just wish is that there was 20 other like comedy shows being made. Like there should Exa- be, I think that's what that there's like one so fucking yeah. sketch show. There's and no other sketch comedy. I fucking love sketch comedy so, so much. We, so we get one sketch show where one fucking guy is in every sketch and he's the center of every sketch. Yeah. That sort of sucks. Like he's yeah. fun- funny enough, but like, some of the best sketches are the ones where he, he's not even in it and you don't get many yeah. chances with that because that's not the format of the show. And right. Netflix has decided to make one comedy show this decade. I don't, I don't really get that. That's a sad thing. I know it, it, it sucks. Like there, there, I think really people are just, because I feel like I can never talk bad about that show sometimes because people hold it to such a very high regard. I will too much screaming. Yeah, yeah too, too much, too much screaming, and they. I wish that they like sometimes they get into a good reality situation, and then it goes too far, and then it's yeah. not really that funny anymore. And I kind of want them to ride the wave of the part where it felt real. Right. Um, but I mean, like, given all that, some things in the show have been laugh out loud, hilarious, and totally yeah, made me yeah. die in a way that other stuff lately has not been. So I think every time of, Patty yeah. Harrison is on, yeah, screen, she's funny. Patty's great, kills it. Yeah, she's funny. Like, there was a Tim Heidecker sketch in season two that I thought was like so funny. Um, but we also, you know, just to take a break from like us interviewing you, uh, we did receive you some can voice interview mails. us. Oh yeah, well, oh, no, no, yeah, some, yeah, no, you're right, yeah. Uh, no, we don't. Nobody cares what we have to say about anything. Uh, we can we can ha- listen to some voicemails here, and uh, people have some questions for you. So let's see what they have to say. All right. Hey, uh, what's up, Thought Cops? Um, my name's Braxton, and uh, I heard Keaton was on the show. Keaton, Keaton, uh, and I wanted to leave uh, a question because I know his farting stuff is freaking awesome. But I always wondered about this. What's it? This. This animation I think he did back in the day, it was like this strawberry, like, funny thing. I think it was like a little cousin or something. And I was wondering, what's the story behind that? Like, I've never really, like, heard it. I, I think I think it might have been explained before, but I don't know. I just I just thought of the video. I was like, oh, I wonder if he could talk about it. But, yeah, that's my question. I love you, Keaton. Aw. Uh, wow, very passionate fan there, Keaton. Wow, that's great. Well, I'm glad to hear from you, Braxton. Um... 
The evil strawberry was when I was just starting to try and get stuff onto albino black sheep. And I already had ducks live on the moon, which was me just trying to make stuff that seemed like other shit that was on there. Mm-hmm. And then we got, um, okay. So we had bought like a really crappy microphone. And so I made the ducks live on the moon thing and then was just trying to like, as you do, when you don't have anything, I was just trying to record any sort of sound like sort of going on in the living room. And literally my like little brother was around and we had like strawberries we were eating. And I just sort of started fucking with him. It was my little, little brother. I was fucking with my little brother. You know, I was playing around with my little brother and me and him are super fucking tight. But yeah, like the recording isn't him acting. You know, he's, <laughs> he's mad. <laughs> my little brother was pissed. And so that recording, I added music to it and like burned it to a CD and we were playing it in the car, just like stuff I had made. And that audio recording came up and it was my dad that was like, that's one you should make a flash animation to. And I was, every time he said something like that, I was kind of like, no, nah, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> But I did it and he was right. And I, I animated it on a car ride on a laptop, a crappy laptop. I don't know how the fuck I did any of that sort of stuff. That's the story. Don't, don't be upset. Me and my little brother are really tight still. You patch things up. We patch things up real yeah. good. Good. Let, let's hear the next voicemail. Thank you, Braxton. Uh, this next voicemail, this person left two. Um, and I think this was the better of the two. So I played, uh, this is the one I'm playing. All right, hello. Um, I would like to ask a special question for Keaton as the host of the R Science Spot Remix. I would like to ask, how was your initial reaction looking at this monumentous, sorry if my words are stuttering, this gigantic monster budget? Like, what was your reaction to it, Keaton? Do they mean when it ended up blowing up on YouTube? I think so. Um, I or think just so. the, the internet in general. Okay, yeah. well, it took, it took, I would say it took me a while to be into it because like it had had its moment on YTMND. I felt very in control on YTMND. I had friends on there, would get comments. So like anything that was taking off on YouTube was almost me being like, haha, look, that weird site is like showing my stuff too. That's pretty funny. And then when they started like really fucking blowing up, because one of them, early on that does not exist anymore. This is really early on. Had like 45 million views. And that was like back when that meant a whole lot. It means YouTube. a lot now. Yeah, that's it, a lot. it would mean a lot now. <laughs> right. But back then we cracked it was like, like 300. Yeah. 300! Yes! Sparta! Um, <laughs> hey, me, t- me too. I can barely get 300 views on anything either. Um, so at first, when I saw it like blowing up, I was like, this is pretty interesting. It's blowing up over there. And then it was, when it was really like 45 million views, I was starting to get upset because some of these people not only didn't credit me, they started selling like t-shirts and stuff. I was like, fuck you. You didn't fucking do anything. That sucks. So that started to feel like I was describing it as a kick in the teeth. I didn't know what to do and I was not feeling good about it at first. And then 
when other people started making sort of more their own creations out of it, I felt like way, way, way better about it. Cause it was like, okay, people are doing their own things. If they want to grow their channels with my song, making their own like spin on it. Great. That is all I fucking do anyways. That's been my whole creative life has been me like repurposing and taking things. And so while it was like initially blowing up with people like creating their own versions of it. I, to be honest, kind of was just like, that's cool. And stopped looking at it for years and years and years. And it wasn't Mm -hmm. until like years later, I sort of came back and was like, how the fuck is this even still going on? And started to take a little more of an interest at looking at this stuff. I think that I felt like so confident that I was still on a trajectory of making my own cool stuff that I was just like, oh yeah, this is just like, some interesting thing going on. There was never, I would say there was never like a big moment where I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> it just didn't happen. No, if anything, I was upset. Well. <laughs> do you think and then I got kicked the, down a well. Do you think part of the resurgence is sort of this just like cultural, like looping of <laughs> like, oh, like 10 years ago, like we're all remembering this again. And like, this is reminding me of like early internet, you know, sort C- of thing. kind of. Kind of, yes. I have a few theories on this. One thing is like with the rise of like more weird electronic music, like hyper pop stuff, I think it's sort of like struck a nerve because it is not like a dance song. It's, it doesn't really sound like other older electronic music. And so I think it's like hitting this both like retro thing and current day thing. But Mm -hmm. I, what I, I think the biggest thing is that it coming into being a popular musical thing that you could like also remix in the earliest days of YouTube has been the longevity because some of the stuff that was the earliest YouTube memes have stayed forever. Like the CDI, like Zelda stuff is probably still like the main YouTube poop stuff. And I think that's literally because when YouTube started, there wasn't that much stuff to like repurpose and edit. Like if you were on LimeWire trying to download episodes of the Super Mario Super Show or whatever, you ended up with just a few episodes. And those are the episodes that I perceived being the ones edited and fucked around with on YouTube poop. Like the Mama Luigi episode of Super Mario Super Show. That's one of the episodes that I had downloaded on LimeWire because they didn't have all of the episodes. Not and a so great I, show either. So maybe that's why. Not, not, yeah, not a very good show either. Also, I, I want to say really quick on the, on the subject of Sparta Remix again, uh, we also have some emails from listeners that wrote in. Uh, you can do that as well if you don't want to give us a call. A ThoughtCopsPodcast at gmail.com. Our inbox is always open for you. We have an that email being here from. said, we have one more voicemail. Well, before we get to that, I want to read this yeah. one from Lul. Oh, it says, yeah. uh, how did you invent Sparta remixes? What are your tips for Sparta remix beginners? And will you be around for a bunch of Sparta events? There's Sparta events? I don't know about any Sparta You go to Sparta, events. you fall down a well, I think. Are you going to try that out? Um, I might fall down a well. Uh, okay, how did I come up with it? I think I pretty much already explained that yeah, more or less, I was yeah. just trying to make a funny... Thing that might yeah, but get like, big. tips for beginners though. Let's let's focus on that. Yeah. Like, what yeah. would you How say you to someone? Own? Yeah, who has the stems and wants to be? They want to be the next Keaton Monger. Yeah. If you want to be the next Keaton Monger, please just make other stuff. Do not don't invest any time at all into making Sparta remixes. Make your own music. 
Okay. <laughs> like that would be my big tip. If you want to be big, big, you want to be famous, you want people to know who you are, do not spend all of your time trying to make like YouTube poops. Don't spend all of your time trying to make like a parody of one certain thing. Even if it's getting clicks, try and grind away at like getting really good at music and making some music like for yourself. And I think that the people who make the custom basses where it's like a brand new instrumental kind of based on the Sparta remix, those mm. people are amazing musicians. Those people are better than me a lot of times and they're really young. And I hope to God that those people also make their own music outside of that. And I know that the music outside of that isn't going to immediately get the same sort of clicks and stuff as the Sparta stuff. But eventually yeah. that's going to garner you a more, like people aren't going to later in life care that you made a lot of popular Sparta remixes. They just aren't like barely anyone in my life cares that I made the original. So like, what's that say? Like, I'm not getting any points for even making the yeah. original. If you're not the original and you want to be a pretender, you're going to get even less. Uh, but if you're try but but if you're trying to get into it, I am so excited though. Actually, <laughs> that it's like the community is excited about it, and that it's kind of getting bigger. And some people think it has potential to become like its own music genre or something. So if you're just getting into it, I don't, I don't honestly personally have that much advice. But like, I I just want to say that I am excited about that, and I don't want to like push people away from doing that yeah. either. Yeah. And that's fair. But uh, before we do, do this last voicemail, we have one other uh, email I want to read to you here. They have oh, two have questions. Two this come, well, uh, are you sure we do? Yeah. Oh, okay. I only see one, but uh, we have one from Pizza Head here who has two questions. Well, they ask you about the pop. How do you feel about the insane popularity of Sparta Remix? I think we touched on that enough. But their second question, more perhaps most importantly, and you know, key to their name here is Keaton. What is your favorite type of pizza? Pepperoni pizza. Just pepperoni? Solid. No. Nothing well, else on there? Well, I'll get sometimes other flavors, you know, get some pineapple on there. I know people don't like that. Oh. Or ham or bacon. But really just a pepperoni pizza is the best one. The other ones just sort of the other things just sort of take away from the standard pepperoni ass pizza, baby. And yeah. uh and I'm I want to agreement with that. And then I'll say about like my response to the blowing up of the Sparta remix or whatever. One element that I have not said is stepping away from it for years and kind of being like, yeah, I think that's something happening on YouTube. And then coming back, that's probably the moment where I was like, Oh my God, this thing's really cool. This was probably like 2016 or something. Okay. I, I sort of returned to looking at this stuff and was like, let me see what these sound like and had some people start sort of linking me ones that were cool. And then people started adding me to Discord channels. And I entered these Discord channels that had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people in the entire Discord channel is just about Sparta Remix. And there's like seven of them. Jesus. That's when I was like, holy fucking shit, this thing. I, yeah, I never yeah. really knew where people were talking or how people were like, like, what is this community? The community is what, just YouTube comments? I had no I idea it was like this big until we had this conversation. Yeah, we have another email here from Trademark Lover. They asked the same question. So yeah, what was the first reaction to when uh, Sparta Remix blew up? So yeah, I think it's like, we, we've seen just how deep the rabbit hole goes. It's insane. <laughs> 
insane. You just had the fact that you were there so early on, you had something in the early days of like, you know, independent internet content creation, more or less, the early 2000s. You happen to get in at the right moment, which is effectively like a gold rush. And then you're still, you know, seeing like, you know, maybe you haven't monetized it, but you have seen like something perhaps, you know, perhaps more valuable is just the love and community that has blossomed around it. I do get a lot of messages from people being like, this is the best thing ever still. And that is very cool and crazy. Yeah. And I'm, I'm very glad that like, you know, the know your meme article credits me instead of crediting <laughs> somebody else. Cause that would be really upsetting. But, but yeah. one thing I would say is when I made the evil strawberry and before that, when I made ducks live on the moon, especially when ducks live on the moon was first said that it was going to be posted on albino black sheep. That was the moment where I was running around the house being like, I'm famous now. This is the best thing ever. Everything's solved. This is unbelievable. And so at, by the time I made Sparta remix, I had already had the Leroy Jenkins remix blow up, the Dotson mm. remix blow up. I had already had Evil Strawberry, Ducks of on the Moon, maybe even the Michael Phelps thing. Maybe that wasn't made yet. I had become maybe like, pretty confident in feeling like, oh, I'm going to just be able to churn out a million viral things forever. Like, this is nothing. Who cares? So I don't sure. really think Sparta Remix had too much of a like, oh my God, I can't believe that this has blown up. But I was always very excited as we all are when you post something and return to your computer and look at all the good comments on it. On YTMD, I was like very excited to have a good score, good happy comments. Mm-hmm. Had even even had the old classic YTM and Deers who didn't post anymore came back to comment and be like, it it would be a I'd vote two if it didn't have the ending. Master Sitsu, Oof. he's a I tough say, critic. I, I don't remember anyone who was big on there. I remember the fads, but I don't, I don't remember like the users by name. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, if anyone asked me a bunch of specifics about YTM and D, I wouldn't be able to remember a lot of stuff either. But I had friends yeah. on there, and Master Sitsu was someone who, I guess, there was this legendary quality to like YTM and D had already existed for a few years, and by the time I got on, I felt like I had missed the heyday. Mm-hmm. I think I think I had, in fact. So when someone old commented and you knew of their name, like Master Sitsu, it was like a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> well, Master Sitsu, if you're out there listening right now, let us know what you thought of the episode. Yeah, also, email have, me. Yeah, or leave a comment. Just let us know. Um, also, yeah, we have one last voicemail, Grant, if you would like to hit that. This message is for Keaton. I just wanted to let you know, I used to watch your Flash animations all the time. I thought they were the funniest thing ever. Hell yeah. Um, in retrospect, they're fairly terrible, but damn Hell it, yeah. I love them so much. Right on. Um, and nowadays, with your uh, the crazy music stuff that you make, I love that stuff. Like, Aww. actually, I think it's awesome, and uh, you should definitely keep making that. Um, and you know, just keep being creative in general. Thank you so much for uh, for making things for people to laugh at. Wow, that was so nice. Thank you. Yeah, yeah very and very a little honest there, but yeah, very very nice. Um, yeah, it's gotta feel good to have somebody like hanging on to your content and everything you make for so long. Someone was there for the the what the flash animations. They're there for your music now. It's gotta feel pretty good, right? That does feel pretty good. That is super cool. That is super cool. Yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty much only the just random messages that I might get 
of being like, I really like this thing that Kate makes me feel like it was worth it at all. Cause I didn't end up with like a big number following on the social media platforms. I, I never really tried super hard to do that. Like I was saying, I never posted my like super viral stuff on my YouTube channel. And in the short term, that always felt like true to myself. But now many years removed from it, I'm like, wait, what was the point of all of this? Like, why do I not have like any numbers? So it's only, it's only these little messages and nice things I get that make me feel like, oh, okay, it worked. Look, this person likes it all. That's great. Yeah. You know, you can't live off of it, but it's, you know, arguably a lot more valuable. Yeah, probably. They might, they might even. Hey, they might even write a nice note if I died. There you go. That's something to look forward to. <sighs> yeah. Your uh your relationship with it reminds me of like I feel like uh a number of like different animated uh like sitcoms and stuff like that like The Simpsons or uh Futurama Family Guy, you know, um South Park, that's another one. Uh they'll always have one episode where like Homer's just like accidentally a huge like uh like he's a huge star in Japan he's Mr. Sparkle and like mm-hmm. he won his whole life never knowing and then it's like oh yeah you step into this discord channel and it's like there's hundreds of millions of people that are like well you know or hundreds of thousands or however many there's a lot of people that are like oh shit you made this thing that we all worship and you're like I didn't know you exist. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> it's like hundreds of people in the discords, not hundreds, hundreds of, of th- discords, not hundreds Amazing. of thousands, but yes, hundreds. Yeah. Tens my, of thousands. I guess. Okay. A few things. When people, when, when the, <laughs> when the like, uh, Chuck Norris stuff was the biggest thing on the internet, people would be like, Chuck Norris's tears cure cancer. Too bad he never cries. And there was jokes <laughs> about that everywhere. I remember eventually there being this little like article where it was like Chuck Norris has been asked about the internet meme and this is his response and everyone was like oh my god he's heard about the meme it's gonna be so cool he's gonna like he's totally- gone on the computer before oh my god <laughs> <laughs> and I thought for some reason his response would be like this is hilarious and here's my own spin on the joke but instead it was like Haha, ha, pretty funny. Please buy my book coming out like August 22nd. <laughs> and it was like, you fucking idiot. You don't understand it at all. We don't care about you. We care about like making fun of you or we care about like this meme. You, you yeah, don't really yeah, actually yeah. matter to it that much. And we think your movies and shows are a fucking joke. And so are you. And we're and, laughing at it. And so I want to be careful to never be too much like the Sparta remix is kind of stupid and I don't even really care about it that much. Cause maybe I did feel about that way about it at some point, but I don't feel that way really for real in my heart and heart about it. I feel like yeah. this is super cool that this has gotten really big. And one other example is on Tim Heidecker's podcast. I remember somebody calling in and being like, I mean, most of the people that call into his podcast don't really comment, I feel like, on Tim and Eric stuff specifically. But someone was like, my favorite sketch from Tim and Eric was the Crystal Ship sketch. And I remember this Crystal Ship sketch. It was really fucking funny with the fool's gold and everything. And Tim was like, Crystal Ships, um, okay. I, I don't really know what you're talking about, but like, okay. And I was so like, what the fuck? Like, 
How much involvement maybe did you even have in the creative process of some of the stuff in the show? Yeah. And I don't know, like was, that's, was he doing a bit or something? Like definitely I feel like not I, definitely not. Okay, guys, I feel like he tries not. to have this. It is, like, it is hard like, to tell care. sometimes. I've definitely I, yeah. seen some moments where it's like, I I think he's serious. At, you know? at the time, I was listening to tons and tons of episodes of the show. I'm really getting into what mm-hmm. Tim was like really like. No, he was not kidding in that moment. And it was a really weird moment for me because, I mean, he could have been like, I don't remember that one or something. But instead, he was like really dismissive of it because it's like, wait, you're not going to bring up like, one of the ones that I definitely was in and definitely looked great in and is one Dude, that everyone knows. You're going to bring got, up something else. I got to vent about something really quick. I, you know, um, the Venture Brothers movie came out last week and I wrote a list article for Hard Drive of the top 10 Venture Brothers episodes because I just finished doing a rewatch of the show in anticipation for the movie. I would I love had, to rewatch that show. I, I've only seen the so first couple seasons. Amazing. It's so amazing. And the episode that I picked is number one. I put a lot of thought into it. I pared it down to like 20 episodes and went down cutting off one by one till 10. And I very meticulously was like, okay, this one is my favorite. It's the one with Abraham Lincoln's ghost when they're like staying in the White House and they think that the guy's going to kill the president. That's the funniest one. I think that's the best one. And then I put that on there and I got so many comments on the article and on Twitter who were like, uh, quite brazen of you to put the creator's least favorite episode as number one. And I'm like, I had no idea. Apparently they hate the episode. They publicly have shit on it. They say it's like a bad one. Yeah, who they don't cares? Like it. And then all the fans are like parrot everything that they say. And they were like, this list is horrible. You put the worst episode as number one. And it's like, I, I feel like you only think that because you heard them say it. Totally. And I feel like they, I don't even know why they think that first of all, but it was just like the fact that like I as a fan can, love one thing so much that somebody did and then they can like publicly say like this is bad and then by you know in turn people see that and think i'm stupid for th- having this opinion that that, that that's right. the best one or i'm uninformed i didn't listen to all the interviews they've done you know what i mean yeah that's ridiculous yeah, yeah. i mean like a, yeah there was a nick cave interview um where he said like recently where he said something like i wish that people would listen more to like Nocturama than they did like Dig Lazarus Dig and I'm like that's like my favorite one and I I think he hates it because I think that there were like some internal issues with his band or whatever that like oh they they don't really like playing it because like two of the members had bad blood or whatever but it's just like if anyone were to be like uh your favorites that's a little overrated I'd be like I don't get out of my face stop talking to me what do you my opinion what do you you it's an opinion who gives a shit? It's it's all subjective at the end of the day. It doesn't matter. Yeah, uh, I, have, but, I have freedom of speech. And that's exactly what we want to cap this episode off and say, right. you have freedom of, speech and, uh, freedom of speech in this country. Give us a phone call, 312-788-7361. We'll play your voicemail on the air. You can also write to us or send an audio file to us at thoughtcopspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, if you want even more freedom of speech, head on over to patreon.com slash thoughtcops. Because we just reviewed The Bear Season 2. We were allowed to say our true feelings on it. Unrestrained, complete freedom of speech to talk about a season of a TV show. Check that out. That was a lot of fun to record and it just came out. Um, Keaton, thank you so much for being on the show, man. Hey, it's been a blast. I'd love to come back. Yeah, Yeah. we'll, we'll make that happen at some point. I was going to um, say, I'd, I'd love to have you back on again and talk about, uh, I feel like we d- did so much about uh, the Sparta remix that I had 
so many other questions. And you also had so many other questions, and I feel I like pro- we, we barely I cracked have, it. I probably have more even to say about Sparta Remix when it's something I feel like I don't have much to say. <laughs> I mean, there is there is more probably to say. Like, people fla- tagging me as someone who hated it early on, whenever people would write like a fandom article that was about me, the only bullet point was like, Keaton Munger is not proud of this song, even though it's the only thing he's ever made that will be popular and stuff. And that quote was being like put on multiple little wiki things. And uh that's that's hard to sort of like manage and navigate because you want to just like put out there fully that like I support what you all are doing. I uh, I really appreciate the community. It's not mm-hmm. really my bag. I don't really like to listen to Sparta remixes all that much, but I really, really, really like that that is a thing that's going on. And it's it has nothing to do with me. Like, it, I, like how crazy would it be if I was like, I hate the Sparta remix, and then everyone stopped doing them because they were like, oh, Keaton hates them. It's irrelevant. It doesn't matter what I think. Yeah, people just and you've done okay, other yeah. things. That tri- that too. You, you have done so much. And again, we, we barely scratched the surface of everything you've done and all the questions and topics you gave to us. So I'm going to save those. I'm going to hold on to those. Hell next yeah. Time, next time you come on the show, we'll have a whole lot to talk about. I'm sure a lot's going to happen between then and now too. Uh, but again, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, thank you everybody for listening. And we'll see you on the other side. I love you all. Thank you. Thank you.